Because I saw Grandad having an argument with a woman yesterday. Did you? Well, there you go. Case closed. Throw away the key. So you didn't believe Jenny Connor. You thought she was a liar. And now you're calling your own daughter a liar too. He said she was just a stranger who coughed on him. Where was this? Round the side of the pub. If it was just an argument about social distancing, then why would he lie? You think you're that woman with that typewriter? What woman? Angela Lansbury. Welcome to episode 114 of the Talk of the Street, another official Cornish Street Catcher podcast that doesn't think Kurt's pitching nightcaps as birthday of Dragon Sarah and Carla onto the set. I'm Gavin. <laughs> and I, I just, I have no words. You've been getting progressively worse at this bit over the last six or seven weeks. Good last week, even though you kind of surprised me with the whole Timbot 5000 thing. Well, it's still Timbot 4000 that did that, but Timbot 5000 didn't come in until about halfway through. Oh, well, still. Uh I had no idea you were going to do that. And I was still able to say, and I'm terrified, even though that's not what I was going to say initially. Well, that's not strictly true. Yes, it is. (laughs) Because if you remember... It was strictly true the second time around. (laughs) Because I thought you were... Because I initially... I didn't know you were recording. I thought you were just playing it for me so that I would be aware that you were going to do it. No, I wanted to catch you off guard and then I forgot to put the memory card in the (laughs) the digital record and we ended up having to do it all over again. Right, yeah. So you were recording, but you weren't recording. (laughs) Right. I hit record... I usually hit record and I wait to see the, the time go up. And that was my mistake. Mm. I didn't do it last week. That and trying to catch your wife off guard. Well, it's always better for a natural reaction, isn't it? Because eh. then what we ended up with, there was no reaction. <laughs> as if this was the most natural thing in the world to happen. Right, because Which I was... Which in itself is quite funny. I was surprised and it caught me off guard because I was going to say, and I'm 44... But then I said, and I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both things which were true. Merry my birthday again. And one which continues to be true for another 300 and... Oh, oh. <laughs> this is never a good sign. How are you? <laughs> uh, I'm okay. I battered my toe off the dishwasher yesterday. That's not good. I think, I've, I think I'm going to lose the nail. Mm. I'm kind of scared to look at it. So it's your fault the dishwasher is clogged again. I don't think my nail it's did that much damage. Your toenail. It, had, <laughs> it pops open and then it kind of pops open too far. Yeah, it pops open to air dry mm-hmm. automatically. And then it plays a... It plays a half of a tune. It plays Di Farella by, uh, by Brahms. Is that what it is? Yes. Because... The trout. My friend, our friend, Karen Jones, her washing machine plays a wee tune when mm-hmm. it finishes, and she's written lyrics to go along with it, mm-hmm. which is something along the lines of, that's the washing done now, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to try and write some lyrics to the 
the dishwasher finishing tune, but I didn't know what it was, and I'm never close enough to it when it finishes to start recording it. The lyrics are in in Berlin, Beckline Helle, Dishos de Fruer Isle. It's a it's a weird song about uh, a fisherman trying to catch a trout and the trout getting loose. And that's what a dishwasher plays. Yes. The Japanese love their love their their German fish songs. songs. (laughs) Oh well, if there's lyrics still already, there's no point me writing any. Oh well, fuck it. write new lyrics people do that all the time yeah so aside from a toe uh this week's rabbit hole has been murder that chapter that's what it's called which is a strange channel name murder it's this wee irish boy that's just doing true crimes who sounds american he to doesn't me. <laughs> to me he sounds american and i don't know why he says 13th and things like i that. don't think i've ever heard him say 13th i think if i heard him say 13th I don't know. We've we've discussed this before that um, the longer we are in a relationship together and the longer we watch both American and British television, the more it doesn't seem like anyone has an accent anymore. Right. That British people sound American and Americans sound British. and It frequently catches me off guard. Yeah. Because to me, you, you don't speak with an American accent and the kids don't speak with an American accent. They do. Mm-hmm. You do, mm-hmm. but it doesn't sound to me like you do anymore. Right. And all the people at my work, they don't really speak with American accents either. It's only when I'm in a meeting with someone new. Uh-huh. That you're like, oh, you guys are all American. And I'm like, when did that happen? <laughs> it genuinely catches me off guard. And I think it also doesn't help that so many British actors play American people. And sometimes that catches, mm. you know, sometimes you get confused. I mean, I don't think anybody's confused by Hugh Grant anymore or, um, what's his name, Batman? Christian Bale. Christian Bale. One uh, consequence of this whole mask thing mm-hmm. is, like, the whole world is now a KFC drive through for me. <laughs> because I think an awful lot of people's comprehension of what I'm saying is from... Watching re- your lips. Reading my lips. Yeah. And so that they can't do it, I might as well be sitting at a KFC drive through which might as well be a random chicken generator. Because <laughs> no matter what I ask for, that's never what I get. <laughs> so there's the, there's the quote of the, the podcast. The whole world <laughs> is my KFC drive through <laughs> How about you? Oh boy, you know, trying to work my way through an existential crisis, but aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> I'm finding it very difficult to get back in the swing of um, responsibilities and obligations that I had pre-lockdown. Such as? Um, You know, my subcommittees and stuff for the parks and things and uh, planning for Girl Scouts this year and, and everything else. And I've been quite stressed about the whole school situation, although... Mm-hmm. The school is officially remote only for the first trimester. So that's that's helpful. We were already going to have the kids home and do remotely because at first they were going to give people options. But I was just I was not looking forward to the whining and complaining because their friends get to go to school and they don't. Right. 
that would ensue. Mm-hmm. Which would ensue. Yeah. Even though I told them before they left for the summer, I said, no matter what happens, you're learning from home next year. Oh, you've already told them? I had already told them. Oh. So. Not that that makes any difference. They'll still be fuming. No. Yeah, of course. Because they're kids. Right. That's that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm still doing lots of walking. And that's nice. Yep. You're getting your hikes in. Yep. A bit swimming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I found a beach that was practically empty on last Monday. It was so nice. Might as well enjoy it while it lasts. This weather is looking pretty good for the next couple of weeks, and then who knows what's going to happen, because uh. once we get to September... All bets are off. Right. <laughs> Might as well start snowing. At, at least we're not on the East Coast. There are still people on the East Coast who, with a tropical storm, still don't have power. Right. People we know, friends of ours, lots of trees came down and stuff, and and uh, there were a lot more tornadoes than there used to be. I, I didn't think that they got tornadoes in, in Boston. I'm pretty sure they don't. Some it, They do happen within hurricanes. I remember during Hurricane Gloria when I was a kid, there was like a tornado that came down our street. It didn't really do any damage, and it wasn't a very big one, but it just like came down the street tornadoes are weird they're you almost think they're sentient sometimes the way that they'll you know just hop around and hit random things and don't really have any rhyme or reason tornadoes they're weird that's my takeaway for the day not quite as good as the whole world is like <laughs> KFC drives through but it is something i guess it is something Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Whistle up some of that coding news. There's been speculation that the show will quarantine cast and crew in a hotel in order to continue filming. But showrunners insist this isn't true, stating, We continue to maintain our health and safety protocols to ensure everyone can work safely. So, there was somebody had told The Sun earlier in the week. That, that they were going to lock everybody up in a hotel. Which, to be fair, I, most most uh, movies that are in production in the U.S. now, that's what they're doing. And that's what the NBA is doing, more or less. Quarantining everybody in uh, Disney, Disney World. World. <laughs> Disney World? Disney, Disney World. World. Florida, not, Disney not California. World. So I don't know. Because then if one person gets it, your hotel is essentially a cruise ship without water. Yeah. Yeah. I I listen to a lot of, you know, pop culture podcasts and things and, and people are saying that, you know, friends of theirs who are members of the crew and stuff um, are, <laughs> you need to eat something. Holy shit. Did, did you hear that? <laughs> I did hear that. Oh, it was my belly rumbling. Eat something. I don't eat breakfast. I know you don't. It's weird. Uh, but anyway, yeah, like um, Chuck from Stuff You Should Know, because, you know, he used to be a PA, on, and so he knows lots of people who are in crews of movies and stuff. So plus they do a lot of filming of movies in Atlanta. So a lot of, place, a lot of places in Atlanta are now quarantine hotels for upcoming movies. So, 
Sonia Ibrahim, who played Mel McGuire on Corey, has announced she is pregnant with her first child, a girl due in January. Congrats to Sonia and her husband, Aaron McKean. Congratulations. Do you remember Mel McGuire? No. Me neither. (laughs) Finally! Hilarity ensued on Monday as viewers lit up Twitter with assumptions that a neon fish on the fish and chip shop sign was actually a penis. Lots of lonely people out there in the lockdown, desperate for the D wherever they can get it. And that's Corey News. I certainly thought that that's what it was. I knew it wasn't because before she sits down, you can see quite clearly it's a fish. But then she kind of sits with her head's covering the tail. Right, but you've seen it already and it was a fish. <laughs> and now it looks like a dick. You like not, to... no, not only that, it kind of looked like a, a, a spunking dick. Yeah. But you like to draw penises all the time anyway. So. Cock and balls. You, you just love drawing <laughs> cock and balls. You're a 14-year-old boy. Trapped. Okay. Trapped in an almost 47-year-old body. Ugh, 47, that's, that's practically 50. Coming up. Coming up. So that's Corey News, is it? Uh, that is Corey News. Get the D wherever you can find it. <laughs> Sitting right across the table sure. from my D, so I'm fine. Okay, mailbag. <laughs> Gav is That's now blushing. Mailbag. M a i l, not M a l e. Joe got in touch to say, "I think my moment of the week last week was Mary's opera singing. The sexy treasure hunt reference sent shivers down my spine." Oh, I like Joe. He makes me chuckle. I thought it was funny. And then Chris, yes, that one wrote in during our Words with Friends game. Heresy, he says. I love Timbot 4000. I'm not happy about this interloper muscling in on his slash her territory. <laughs> you know where you stand when the house robot has a vocabulary only slightly larger than Kirk Sutherland's, but I was slightly taken aback by Timbot 4000's fucking successor barging in to take over the end credits. Aw. How's Chris doing? Because there must not be an awful lot of work out there for him right now with no concerts going on and stuff. I don't know. We don't really talk about that. <laughs> well, we, maybe we, you should ask. We play Scrabble and... <laughs> And talk about Coronation yes. Street. Well, maybe you should take an interest in, in his life as well. Look, <laughs> we have a very clearly defined relationship <laughs> that revolves around word games and Coronation Street. I mean, Street. we know all about what's going on with Christy in, in the library up in Toledo. Toronto. 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 I get those two mixed up. Ohio and Canada. Basically the same thing. She posted something that was awfully funny last week about... Uh, <laughs> That's because it's so hot at the moment. There's people mm-hmm. uh, collapsing due to heat exhaustion and she's running out to help them uh-huh. whilst remaining socially, socially distanced. distanced. And people Which walking by are saying, uh, are you a first aider? <laughs> she's like, yes, but I'm also a librarian. Mm-hmm. So that's what librarians do. Yes, yes, that is what librarians do. Doing good work, Christy. Yes. Keep it up. Keep up the good work. Do not miss it. I used to miss being a librarian. I don't anymore. No. <laughs> because of stories like that. Hindsight Corner. Now, this isn't so much Hindsight Corner as it was, would be, Foresight Corner. I was looking back to find the origin of Timbot 4000 because I, just, I can't remember, I couldn't remember why we started it. 
And I got back to our episode from January 31, 2020, which was called Degingered, when this happened. So Yasmin is back from the AA meeting. It's opened her eyes that her problems pale in comparison to other people's. In that case, says Tim's dad, let's get on the vino. If she doesn't have a problem, let's have a drink. Oh, I wanted to... Mm-hmm. He pours her a glass and oh. makes her drink it. She takes a sip, but he actually wants her to make all of it. Not the glass, the bottle. Oh. Yep. So mm-hmm. later, Yasmin is now pished and is forced to admit that she does angry. have a problem. And Tim's dad says, well, you She should... didn't say that she didn't have a problem. She just said other pro- people have it worse. Well, you oh. should listen to me then, says Tim's dad. Then Peter comes to the door to speak with Yasmin, but she's crawled herself upstairs. He spots the wine bottle, and Tim's dad tells Peter that the meeting has only served to confirm that she thinks she doesn't have a problem, so she got wired in at the vino. I can handle this from now, and he throws Peter out. Excuse me, I have to deal with my drunk wife. Oh, I just want to break that bottle over his head, and then when it breaks, stab him repeatedly with it. In the throat? Stab him in the throat with a broken bottle. In oh the my balls. god. See, I wanted to stab him in the balls, not in the, the throat. throat. Me, I think. In the balls, because it will hurt more and it will take him longer to bleed out. That's true. That is true. The throat's too quick. I'm going to have to go for the balls myself, I think. Wouldn't be the first time. Right. So we kind of. <laughs> wow, the show, the show took our advice. Sort Al- of. Almost, kind of. Yeah, they couldn't really go for the balls, could they? Nah. But yeah, I totally, wow. for, totally forgot we said that. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Wow. They, sh- they they really should just hire us to write the show. That's it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Undo my notes. And now, this. So it was Foresight Corner. That was Foresight School. Oh, for, yeah, welcome, school. welcome, welcome. Foresight Corner. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite impressed with us. Just enough time to quickly talk about Crimbait. Can't remember what that was. I think. Crimbait? I think there's a Kale and Bernie. Maybe. But I, I can't remember and I don't listen back to it. I was Gavin, and you were malaised. How 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 do you do this if you don't listen back to it? I mostly just copy the notes from. Oh. <laughs> which I think is a fancy adjective that you've treated us to certainly recently. Lazy. You had a cold, and you were kind enough to pass it on to me. You're welcome. You were looking forward to taking a lamp on vacation with us to Ohio, which you did. That's right. Two lamps. That was the dodgiest meeting ever, and. You got shortchanged. Remember? I don't think I did. I think maybe I just lost the bills because I remember counting that money. It doesn't matter. Either way, I made a profit. Okay. <laughs> Imran decides that he can share a uh, duplicitous plan <laughs> with Toya without consequence after he learns about the bail hostel across the road from Claudia's may never be built and then lives to regret this decision. Hmm. Eileen's wrestling moves, particularly her clothesline, have come on leaps and bounds this year as Rachel's face will testify. She's probably due a shot at the next WWE pay-per-view. Wait, I don't do that and I'm blah 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 in notes. So you must have listened to at least part of it. Yeah, that bit. And then you just stop listening? Yeah. It's just it's an hour and a half. Lazy. 
Evelyn has a whole number of simultaneous scams running at devs while he's away and she gets the upper hand against both Mary and Steve. That was quite funny. The writers made Emma sad this week and this cannot be allowed to continue. Gary's plans for world domination continue unabated. Kev doesn't think much of Kim Kardashian's par 5 arse. Really? The moment of the week was Eileen smashing Rachel in the face and the boring moment of the week was Emma and Gemma asking for extra sausage, but not like that. And that was Coronation Street and a talk of the street this time last year. (laughs) And one quick thing before we dive in. I spent some time through the week setting up a store on teespring.com where we now have four t-shirts merch we have merch y'all we have merch on teespring.com slash store slash the hyphen talk hyphen off hyphen the hyphen street oh that's not great that's not great but i'll put it in the notes Mm. you post it on the twitter or something yeah yeah do both so we've got four t-shirts oh and on the facebook so helen from canada can order a t-shirt <laughs> yep and and Giovanacci doesn't Giovanacci still uh follow our facebook mm-hmm. posts as well as the twitter is Regularly. he on the twitter Giovanacci yeah. John yeah Giovanacci I don't like this calling people by their second name thing I'm sorry it's something I grew up with oh a lot of people do it yeah when I'm watching my um no boy more, you broom no more jockeys Mark Watson, Tim Key, and little Alex Horn—they all call themselves by the last name. It just—it doesn't it doesn't strike me as being particularly friendly. It's a term of endearment. We've had this conversation before, yes, and we have, and it never sounds like that to me. It sounds quite. You're not alone harsh. though, because our friend Tim he used to hate it when I called him Gager. Yeah, I'd, I would hate it if you called me Broom. You do call me Broom. I call you Broomy. Sometimes you just call me Broom. That's different. Yeah, that's only when I'm mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> Not oh. cleaning the bathrooms. Oh, God. I hadn't noticed there was any <laughs> anything to correlate that with. Shall we dive in? Shall we? Oi, you broom. Yes. Dive in, my dear. Yes. Our first storyline this morning. Your body's just making all sorts of noises over there. Is it last? Or is that the chair? I think it's the chair. <laughs> my belly hasn't rumbled again since then. No, it? but I thought it was a fart. Oh, no. no. Okay. It's you that does that. Oh. On Monday... <laughs> Gary's in his hospital bed on the phone to someone when Sarah comes in. I wonder who he was on the phone to. Maria? Maybe it was Maria. She checks up on him and then confirms that she hasn't spoken to the police. Gary says that she knows everything now. He's a murderer, but saving her was the right thing to do. She wants him to claim self-defence, but he doesn't think they'll believe him, and Laura and Kelly the Chins can't find out. He casts up blaming Callum's death on Tony Stewart. That was Todd, Sarah says, and that wasn't the plan. He thinks they're all guilty of something. Then she wonders if he's blackmailing her. He says that he isn't, that he wouldn't do that, but he needs her help. Tony Stewart, the NASCAR driver. Yep. He was visiting Weatherfield uh, uh, to go to the co-op to get a sausage roll. I would imagine that he would really enjoy a sausage roll, Tony Stewart. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, she leaves, the Home Depot car, I believe. She leaves without saying what she intends to do, so he starts unplugging himself from the machinery and slides out of bed, almost giving us a cheeky wee look at his ginger nuts. That was weird because it looks it looks like the IV is still in his arm when he gets out of bed because you can still see the tape and and the pipes and stuff. Right. So he undid it. He didn't yank it out. So is he walking around now with an IV still stuck in his arm, maybe plotting save, things? Maybe save time. I don't know. 
Sarah's back home, Adam immediately gives her the third degree and she admits she was seeing Gary. She suddenly feels accused of something and he has and has had enough with this conversation. Then there's a knock at the door and Adam answers. It's the police. Sarah tells the police that she didn't see the car that um, Gary got knocked over by. It's a detective. And didn't see... In plain clothes. Yeah. And didn't see Gary either. <laughs> do, do we get the detective's name? I don't think so. I'm going to call her Detective Barbie then. Okay. Before that, she says she was at the factory and about to pick up Harry. She was running late. The copper quickly points out that Sarah called the police before the accident happened. Detective Barbie on the case. <laughs> Fucking whatever. <laughs> they heard the accident happen. Either your psychic or some other shite was going down. Says Detective Barbie. <laughs> Sarah can call. She's tall and she has blonde hair, okay? Detective Barbie. It I works. Couldn't tell you what she looked like. She was tall and had blonde hair. <laughs> According Just to you. like Barbie. Sarah concocts a story about thinking her car was being stolen. Adam looks on with a clear impression that she thinks that she's lying. Sarah says that she was shaken, which is why she didn't say this earlier. The copper points out that lying to the police is a crime and they can offer her protection if she's uh, in fear for her life. Sarah is adamant. This was just a lucky encounter that Gary was there to push her to safety. She has no idea why he was there, but she's glad he was. The police leave and Adam looks like he's sucking on a very sour plum. Mm -hmm. Now you can tell me the truth, he says. Then Gary's at home, leaving notes on a shelf for Nicola, Izzy and Maria. He grabs a bag. Maria! And is about to leave when Adam bursts in. Where are you off to? asks Adam. Gary says that he's off to the sauna for his bruises. Adam thinks it's a bit strange that his wife is saved by uh, her ex, and he thinks it's weird that he's checked himself out of hospital so so soon as well. Yes. Gary says nothing was going on and that he loves Maria. Adam reveals that the police have been over, but Sarah said nothing. Enjoy your sauna, says Adam, and he leaves. And he actually thanks Gary. For saving Sarah's life. But it's kind of through clenched teeth a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. Gary takes down the notes and sticks them in his pocket. Then Adam is leaving the cabin as Bernie's arriving. Got the time on your cock, she asks. He thinks that's a punchline to a bad joke. Do you know what the joke is? No. You got the time on your cock? No, but I've got it on my wrist. The tumbleweed just <laughs> rolled not, its way through, that's not through this room. That's well, not that, a... that's a joke. It's a bad joke. He says it's a bad joke. Right. Time on your cock. You got the time on your cock. Cock is a term of affection. All right, cock. All right, cock sparrow. Is that kind of like, like hen, hen and cock? Yep. All right. That's a weird term of affection to call somebody a cock. You don't hear it very often for quite obvious reasons. Yeah. So I, I thought maybe she was thinking that that he wore his watch on his penis. Well, that's not us. That's a joke. And he says, no, but I've got it on my wrist. The explanation is not making it any funnier. No, it really is not. <laughs> I'm going to move on. Okay. He checks his watch and she's surprised that it's not the fancy watch that Sarah bought for him. Much better than that piece of shite round his wrist. Maybe it's being saved for his birthday, says Bernie. So Adam goes home and asks Sarah about the watch. She claims it was a piece of crap that she got for David as a joke. Sarah is a very bad liar. She really is. <clears throat> Let's see it then, says Adam. But Sarah says now that she gave it to a charity shop. Oh, what charity shop? The charity shop that's at the hospital. 
Mm. And so she doesn't have it anymore. Right. And he's like, wait a second. Char- charity shops aren't taking in donations right now. Oh, I just stuck it in the box of the hospital. Mm. What? He wants to talk about the car now, but she's had enough and goes upstairs for a lie down. On Wednesday, David and Sarah are bickering about him not getting her nail varnish from the shops. Adam wants to go for a walk. Sarah has work to do. I thought it was nail varnish remover, not nail varnish. That changes the whole path right, of that storyline, doesn't it? Remover would be more essential than actual nail varnish, I would think. I thought David, she just said nail David varnish, gives but... it like a, a snarky, well, that's not essential. And you don't queue up in the lines for the grocery like everybody else in this family does. So get off your ass, Sarah, and do some work around here. Although, to be fair, she's the only one actually working. Because the barbershop now is shut. Is it? Yes. Because remember, Maria has that whole conversation about... Oh, yeah, I remember that. So Sarah's work to go to, and it's not amused that Adam didn't stand up for her with her brother. At the factory, Kirk is pitching an idea for nightcaps. (laughs) Carla thinks they should remain focused on making PPE for the NHS. (coughs) Then Adam, who doesn't work at the factory, walks into the factory to chat with Sarah. For some reason, he's dressed as Jason Voorhees without the hockey mask. It looked like he was wearing overalls. He wasn't wearing overalls, though. Just his jacket and his trousers looked the same colour. He apologises for how he's behaved since the accident and about going on about Gary non-stop. So long as they're okay, he's okay. And she half-heartedly agrees. Now later, Gary, who doesn't work at the factory, turns up at the factory to tell Sarah and Carla that he's changed his mind. He doesn't want to be that kind of landlord he after all. He at least all. owns the factory. There's at least a reason for him to be there. I don't think landlords can just walk in, though. I think they have to give notice. I think that's true for, like, residential, basically, but ba- not for a business. Basically, there's an open door at the factory and anybody I- can just wander in whenever they want. This is, this is true. I had a landlord walk in on me once, but she was a really bad landlord. I don't think I have any experience of anything other than a bad bad landlord. Never tell you about the landlord who uh, took my chair and painted it green. Yes. Yeah, that was a bad landlord. Mm-hmm. But this this landlord, the one who walked in on me, she was the one who told us we couldn't have pets and then got herself a big, massive dog who would come over on my side of the basement and shit. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Yeah. Landlords. Are there any good ones? I'm sure Use there are. I'm sure there are. My cousin Stevens had a I'm gonna use the word portfolio of uh of property in Scotland before they moved to Spain. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think that he was a good landlord because he's a decent guy. Is he a good cousin? I couldn't tell you last time I spoke to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's his birthday. <laughs> so you're not a good cousin either. What's the date? It's the um, 8th. Oh, it was his birthday yesterday. Oh, God. Yesterday was my brother's birthday. We didn't wish Stephen a happy... Both of our Stephen's birthdays were yesterday? I'm not in contact with your brother, Stephen. I have no, no means of getting in touch with him. He hasn't... He's not friends with you on Facebook. I don't think so. I thought he was. Is he? I don't know. He keeps getting new Facebook profiles because he keeps forgetting passwords. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, I need to. I feel I like shit. I, I didn't text my brother happy birthday. Uh, can I get in on that then? Can you just stick my name on it? Yeah. No kisses or anything though. Just, <laughs> just a firm handshake. Sure. Anyway. Ow. Oh. My toe. Are you right? Yeah, my toe. Oh. 
Poor Vito. Yeah, he, so he doesn't want to be that kind of landlord and he's decided against upping the rent so long as they remain good tenants. Sarah thinks this is too good to be true, but Gary insists he's torn up the paperwork. Adios contaminos, he says, and then Sarah goes after him. Sarah isn't impressed at being bribed. She wasn't going to go to the police to dob them in anyway, and there's nothing between them. That's fine by me, says Gary, but good luck telling them in, in the factory about paying more rent. He leaves, and then Kirk turns up in a nightcap, and Sarah tells him to fuck off. Later. <laughs> he looks like Wee Willy Winky. Yeah. <laughs> Upstairs and downstairs. In his nightgown. Mm-hmm. Later, Maria, Carla and a vaping Peter are outside comparing sob stories. No one wants a haircut, says Maria. No one's buying furniture from Gary, she says. And Peter is worried about people driving themselves around from now on. Maria says that's... I think Peter's being sarcastic, though. Yeah. Then Maria says that's why Gary put the rent up. Carla sets the record straight. He's not doing that after all. He didn't want to be that kind of landlord, apparently. Then stupid Maria looks confused. On Friday, other overs, Peter and Carla are talking about her ability to play Daydream Believer on the recorder. And then the discussion moves on to Maria. And comes Adam with a game for Simon. And he's curious who they're talking about. Peter reveals that Gary isn't putting the rent up in the factory after all. And no one knows why, but Peter thinks Sarah will be pleased. Adam no longer feels that he can talk with her about it anymore. Then Gary gets home. His fifth... <laughs> Then Gary gets home. His fifth choice for best man has told him he can stick the offer up his arse. Right up his arse. We haven't done that in a while. No. Or, or said that. No. Maria, I was thinking the same thing. Maria thinks if maybe he hadn't alienated everyone, he'd have a better choice. She looks pissed off with him and confronts him about the factory rent. He says he's doing it for the workers. How stupid do you think I am? She asks. Astronomically stupid, says everyone watching. <laughs> First you're a hero for saving her life, and now you want a halo to go with it? This is all for Sarah, she says, and she asks him if he is still in love with her. He admits to having loved Sarah in the past, but when he was knocked down, he couldn't stand the thought of losing Maria, and everything he's done... So full of shit. Everything he's done was with other people in mind, like Nick, whose kid is sick. Maria says, oh, I'm such a muppet. And then she falls for it. Mm-hmm. Timbot4000 says Maria is a fucking tube. She's a fucking tube. Be nice, Timbot4000. She, she is, though. Yeah, we, we don't Astronomically that, stupid. So, uh, back at the rovers. It's not her fault. She was just written that way. She's not always been that stupid. No, that's why I say it's not her fault. She's just been written that way. Well, yeah, well, she's a fictional character. Right, yeah. But I kind of hate it oh, when... That's my belly going again. See? <laughs> I hate it when, when shows do this, when a character just starts for no reason other than plot to be something that they haven't been in the past. Like Eileen with Phelan and Jan when she was deliberately just blind by everything mm-hmm. and w- willing to accept any old excuse. Which is essentially what Maria's turned into. Right. Back at the Rovers... Thinking Pe- about the D again. Back at the Rovers, Peter turns up with a recorder claiming that Carla's lying about the monkey song. She promises to play it for him later and then never does. The monkey's song. What did I say? The monkey song. I think the S kind of rolls, rolls on. Because it makes it sound like she was going to play a song about a monkey instead of a song by the monkeys. Well, if our dishwasher can play a song about a fish, I guess anything's possible. <laughs> Sarah nips home for 10 minutes and Adam makes a coffee and asks about her day. 
Sarah describes it in fairly, fairly dull terms, but Kirk was apparently able to eat a bag of pork scratchings in 14 seconds. Sarah's grateful for a conversation that didn't mention Gary Windass. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Mm-hmm. Adam is going to find out. Well, yeah, Adam is absolutely going to find out. And it's it's not going to be good for their marriage, which was already kind of having problems because he was flirting with Rick the Chin's Oh, yeah, I forgot wife. about that. Yeah, that wasn't great. No. And Sarah seemingly had forgiven him for that, but I... The thing was that his story added up. Yeah. But I think she would have rather that he was trying to own her rather than just obsessing about Gary again. I think she said something to that effect. Yeah. Just, you need to let this go, otherwise we're going to, we're going to have problems. <clears throat> I t- it's very frustrating to me because... You know, she knows what the right thing to do is. Yeah. And I don't understand why she's not doing it. There's no reason for her not to go to the police. Unless she does still have feelings for Gary. Why would she? He's awful. (laughs) Yeah. I think... Because Bernie, for some reason, is now walking around talking about that watch continually. So mm-hmm. it's only a matter of time before. Well, she's not walking around just telling random people. You know, well, she not was... not that we know. You know, she had a legit reason to see if Adam had the watch because that's where she thought the watch was going to be. And she wanted to tell him all about how she found it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Sarah bought it for him. But potentially ruin a birthday surprise, though. Nah. I don't know. Sarah didn't say it was for his birthday at first, just that he needed a new watch. Oh, the the, the clasp had broken on his... Right, and he got it fixed. Because mm-hmm. that's, Cause that's has, what Adam would do. Because he has the means to do that. Yeah. I wonder if the jewelers would be open. Yeah. Or maybe just fix it himself. Or like buy a new clasp on the internet and, and fix it himself. That's probably that's what I would do. If only if only we could find out how he fixed his watch. Mm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so do you think we're going to hear Carla play the recorder? No, no chance. No, rumbling away, good style. And I mean, I would imagine "Daydream Believer" on the recorder would not be the easiest song to play. It's not like Mary no. had a little lamb or something. Why were they making school children play? Monkey songs. <laughs> you play Fred or Jacka. Uh, you play Mary Had a Little Lamb. Mary Had a Little Lamb. You play essentially anything that you can do. Fear Elise. With one hand. Yeah. Because once you get into the using the, the right hand, that's when it starts to make that horrible screeching noise. I mean, I don't even think that Stella could play Daydream Believer on her trombone. She's been working on the MSU fight song. I know. <laughs> it's the high notes that she has a problem with. I know. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Her her doing band from home. She's been doing it. I know. But she hasn't been doing it right now because school's out. But, but once a day. <laughs> now, where we sit, it's kind of, it's not. In the opposite side of the house, but we're kind of at one end in the office. And the dining room is kind of midway down the house, but on the other side. 
then kind of in the front. Yeah. So it's, she, it's kind of become my office and also the classroom. Right. So she can play her trombone there, and I can be sitting here and I can barely hear it. Mm-hmm. And nobody that I'm video conferencing with can hear it. <laughs> but then she decided, without me saying anything, uh-huh. that her playing in the dining room was uh, disturbing me. Uh-huh. And she didn't want to do that. Right. So she went outside. Yes. And stood right outside the office window. That's because she and Gavin were playing together. I know. Gavin next door. Little Gavin. You're big Gavin. So. <laughs> Our next door neighbor's child is also named Gavin. Just like Gavin. So rather than playing in the dining room and not disturbing anybody apart from you. She's now standing about six feet away from me. On the other side of a window. Giving it big licks. Right. When he comes out with a fucking trumpet. And all of a sudden... distancing and playing with her friend. All all of a sudden I've got a brass band concert happening. (laughs) Which people very much could hear. And were entertained. And everybody clapped. Those things did not happen. (laughs) Nobody cared though. No, it's like when Dobby came in. Nobody cared about that either. No. Because everybody's going... Or when I came in completely naked... Nobody nobody could see me, though. Nobody saw. No. I saw. You saw. I've seen it before. The point. Moving on. <laughs> Our next storyline today is Twins Down Under. On Monday, in the Rovers, Jenny's on the phone to Rita when Abby comes in to pick up some hot pots I to go. I love those phone calls to Rita. Jenny and Rita on the phone. Yeah, I don't think I mentioned it as much as it happened. Right. But it was quite It's, it's very quite cute, right. yeah. Uh, Jenny had heard about the twins, but Abby is sure it's for the best and they'll have a great life in Australia. In comes Gemma, who goes off on one saying how she'd die without her babies and she'd be kidnapping them back. Can we take a moment to remember how she was fantasising about the death of her babies just a few weeks ago? Right, but that was not because she didn't love them. It was because she was dealing with postpartum depression. Suddenly, Abby's desire for lamb stew with sliced potato topping has declined, and she leaves, allowing Jenny to tell Gemma what a stupid cow she's just been. Then Gemma finds Abby outside the cock and chip shop, I mean the fish and chip shop. She'd like to give Abby a cuddle and apologises for What's earlier. cocks this week? This is the same cock. No, it's not the same cock that we... The last cock we were talking about was Adam's, with his watch on it. Oh, yes, whatever. Yeah. Adam says... I don't know, Adam. Abby says that she loves the twins and thinks about them all the time, but all she's ever done is made their lives worse. Now they have a chance for a better life. She's been so selfish, but now she can do something positive for them. And then Gemma and Abby share a socially distanced cuddle. And Gemma says, everything will be okay. That was nice. I liked that. That was quite a nice wee moment. That was very sweet. These two characters don't really have much to do with each other. Yeah, so it was nice to see them interact and stuff and talk about motherhood and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. What and 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 this is this is the thing with them having the older characters kind of taking a step back. They're kind of having to have people that wouldn't normally interact with one another interact with one another because they have only so many characters mm-hmm. to play with. Yeah, because Kathy seems to be perpetually through the back in the cabin, so we don't see her. We just have characters shouting at her. I've left I've left a change on the on the counter for you, Kathy. And then Kathy never comes to collect the change and then Benny comes in. But we've seen Kathy. Well, we saw Kathy last week. Yeah, but I think they're using them 
kind of less frequently. Right. So that's And then, you amusing. know, Jenny on the phone. And then who was it? Uh, or who was it who was taking uh, takeaway delivery to um, Tyrone and everybody? And they were talking about Evelyn being upset, extra hot. Oh, it was Jenny and Ryan talking about how Evelyn likes her hot pot extra hot mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, so you mentioned the characters, so you remember them. Yeah, you remember they exist. And you think, you think that they're still in the show. Right, somewhere. Right. And Eileen's in... South Sudan Thailand. or whatever. Or Thailand, right. Where's Ken? We haven't... Nobody has said it. Oh, no. Didn't Peter say something about Ken? About having to get something for Ken? I don't recall. No. So, Abby and her twins then... You think she's going, to, she's going to go see them, isn't she? She's going, yeah, because it's going to take them longer to move to Australia now, I'm assuming, because of the quarantine. Mm-hmm. COVID. I don't know if we're taking it that seriously, <laughs> but they, they certainly haven't left yet. It's the assumption... isn't, there, isn't there like a travel ban? I know New Zealand is, is locked up pretty tight. I don't know about Australia. All I know is that we can go fucking nowhere. That's true. We can go fucking nowhere. We miss you, Canada, so much. <laughs> we might be able to get to some, I don't know, developing nation or something <laughs> that might still be taken, looking for the Yankee dollar. Yeah, but then we'd have to get on an airplane, and who wants to get on an airplane Not right now? Not going to happen. No. Okay, then. Uh, moving on. Just a few scenes now about uh, the Oliver storyline, which I thought we'd kind of forgotten about. Hmm. On Wednesday, Toya bumps into Nick and Leanne outside the flat. They've got a new chair for Oliver, who's been doing pretty well recently. No seizures. And Leanne and Steve are going to see the headmaster of a special school that Oliver can hopefully attend. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. And that was it was kind of funny because Nick makes mention of the fact that the chair is quite heavy. And Leanne and, and Toya keep talking and chatting and then gossiping about Tim's mum and stuff. And Nick's there holding the chair this is quite heavy. Can we get can we get upstairs now, please? <laughs> I still have to carry this upstairs. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Later, Leanne bumps into Mandy from uh, Antenatal. Who who thinks her name is Melissa. Right. And not Leanne. They chit chat about what's been going on and Mandy bums up her own kids and then asks after Oliver. Leanne says that everything is fine, just like yours. It's a nice age that they're at. They part and then suddenly Leanne has a bit of a wobble and breaks down. I thought it was very convenient that this random person, who she hasn't seen in three years, would just bump into her and start a conversation. Right. And forget her name. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I hate when the show does things like this. I, I don't have a problem with that. I believe that. I didn't. It's like, we need to have something that will make Leanne upset. Let's invent this new character who we'll see for five seconds and then never see again who was pregnant at the same time Leanne was with Oliver. Right. It feels too easy and done just just to get, just to make Leanne sadder than she already is. I don't like it. I didn't like it. Didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't really mind it. Didn't like it. I was, well, I was confused why she lied, though. <coughs> About Oliver not being okay? Mm-hmm. Well, because the woman I think is- it's a complete stranger, essentially. Because the woman is talking about how great her kid, who's the same age as Oliver is, 
and how brilliant and genius she is. And also how easy it is for her to just pop kids out because she's popped out two more afterwards and everything. She says something about peas. Shelling peas. It's like shelling peas. Anyway, should we go Melissa? I don't know if she fucks. Yeah. I don't know. And On Friday, Toya visits Leanne, who claims to be positive about the meeting uh, that she's had with the headmaster, but Toya feels like something has upset her. Leanne tells her about her encounter with Mandy and the discussion about her child prodigy and how Leanne felt compelled to lie about how well Oliver was. Toya thinks this is normal and then Leanne goes to stick the kettle on. They chat chat about mint yo-yos for a while and then Leanne talks about how she should be making Oliver's life as normal as possible and Toya says, well, that's what you're doing and the people who love Oliver are the only ones who should matter. And that is true. Later, Toya is about to leave when Leanne asks why Toya hasn't continued... (laughs) with the fostering thing. She insists that she's fine with it and thinks one of them should be happy. Leanne thinks Toya would be a great mum and Toya is made up by this and Leanne looks like she's been genuine but still looks like she might be a little bit upset about it. Mm-hmm. And that's as far as we get with that. Yes. So we're ploughing on. Ploughing on. With a fostering thing. I need to find a different way of referring to it other than the fostering thing. Maybe Leanne's at it. Call it the fostering thing. See, we should be writing the show. I wonder what Tim bought four thousand should should be saying about that. Nothing. Apparently, nothing. Again, we're short with the the old storylines, just the four, and that was the third one. So now we're on to our final storyline. Wow. Oh, and I just don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Do we have to talk about it? Thanks for making it to the end of, <laughs> of another episode. Nothing happened with the Tim's fucking dad storyline this week. Although I don't think what happened was what the show is trying to imply has happened. It's a little bit obvious. Yeah, it's too obvious. Which is what I'm holding on to. Yeah. And... Paula Wilcox is far too good an actress. For them to already. We'll, we'll, all we'll right, get... let's talk about it. Okay, let's talk about it after all Fine. then. Oh, whatever. <sighs> what we do for you people. <laughs> Buy our merch. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> On Monday, Tim's mum meets Sally in Roy's roles and is weird. Sally has no clue who she is until she introduces herself. Tim's mum needs a quick word. Her meeting with Tim didn't go as well as she'd hoped, and Sally wonders how she can be believed, but Tim's mum has no reason to lie. She's lost everything thanks to Tim's dad, and she wants to tell Sally everything. So they decide to have their conversation under the viaduct. Tim's mum wanted to get in touch with Tim, but was terrified, so tried to forget him. Until she read that Tim's dad was up to his old tricks, she wants to give evidence, but uh, she's so scared about Tim's dad. She doesn't know if she can face him. What? Is that your stomach again? Again, again. Mm-hmm. And Tim isn't... Oh, wait, 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 better start that back again. She doesn't know if she can face Tim's dad and Tim in court as the barristers dig into her past. Sally thinks this is a time to tell everyone the truth. She can try to protect Yasmin now, and she implores her to speak to Tim again. Later, Tim's dad pulls up and is all, Oh, long time no see, Tim's mum. <laughs> Jenny walks by on the phone to Rita again and ah. witnesses this clearly charged confrontation. Tim's dad is looking for a little chat with Tim's mum. Mm. How dare she turn up trying to turn Tim against him? 
She says she'll be testifying. Oh, no, you won't, he says. Stay away from the court and Tim and Weatherfield. She says people need to know what he's like. He doesn't think anyone will believe her, and Faye happens to be walking past and sees this agitated confrontation. I'm not scared of you, Tim's dad, says Tim's mum. Well, you fucking should be Tim's mum, says Tim's dad. <laughs> <laughs> and he approaches her in the canal. Sally is in the I like I like how uh, how brave Tim's mom is in this. I mean, she's still obviously obviously terrified. terrified yeah, but it's still standing up to him in a way, and I, I thought that was good. He tells her no. She tells him to shut up as well. Yeah, and that really that sparks him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't enjoy that one little bit. No, her telling him what to do. No, he was looking exceptionally menacing though. He was. I don't know. If, I think it was the angle that. It seemed to be a little bit below his mm-hmm. eye line, so he seemed yeah. to be kind of towering over her. Yeah. They shot it really well. Mm-hmm. So, Too well. Uh, yeah. So Sally's in the rovers to pick up her hot pot. Vine pops up. Hello. And Sally asks after Yasmin. Hello, hello, hello. There's been no change, but they're talking about surgery options. In comes Alia asking Ryan if she's heard from Tim's mum today. Her phone is ringing out. They all explain to Jenny about who Tim's mum is. She's the mum of Tim. <laughs> Sally confirms she spoke to Tim's mum earlier and was going to the cab company to speak to Tim, but Tim says that she never showed up. After a fashion, Jenny realises that this is who she saw Tim's dad argue with earlier, and now (gasps) everyone is very worried that Tim's dad has done something to Tim's mum. And not in a good way. Right. So, Tim's dad is in his car and pulls up outside his house. In his car... He tears her back off. To, I thought it was his phone, but it's, it's, it's not. It's a white phone. That's it, not his. It's her phone. Tim's mum's phone. And he removes the SIM card. He gets out of the car and very suspiciously drops the card down the drain. He has such a history of stealing other people's phones, doesn't he? Uh-huh. He does this all the time. He leaves all the gubbins on the passenger seat, though. Mm. And then he heads off into the house. Yes. And the, and the camera rests on the back cover of that phone sitting in the passenger seat for quite some time. Yeah, you're meant to notice it. Mm-hmm. On the, on the passenger seat. On the passenger seat. Is it going to slide down and then somebody's going to find it when they sit in the car with him? And that's going to be the evidence that he's done something to Tim's mum. Well, if that was going to happen, you'd have thought it would have happened this week. No. They're going to drag When it's out. still fresh in their mind. Mm. Anyway. On Wednesday. It's morning and it seems that Faye has moved back home. She's up in her house coat while Sally whitters on about Tim's dad. Tim comes down from out of the shower and Faye goes off to get hers, leaving Tim and Sally to bicker about Tim's mum. Mm-hmm. Either she's changed her mind or someone's got to her. Tim thinks Alia's paying Tim's mum off. or is some make, does not make any sense. Or is some actor friend of Yasmin. Which makes makes even less sense. Right, yeah. And and Sally rightly points out that doesn't make any sense. Sally thinks Tim was a fucking moron and <laughs> asks Tim to have at least a partially open mind about this. Maybe Tim's dad is a psychopath after all. Tim's had enough of this and goes off to work. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Alia is worried that she can't get hold of Tim's mum and is going to check with Sally. Ryan has a day of volunteering or something ahead of him. Something on Balaclava Terrace. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was. Oh, he was, he was making a delivery. Oh, so it wasn't charitable. I thought it was a little charitable thing he was doing. No? Like he was going to 
do some old lady's washing for her or something. Wasn't it? That doesn't sound charitable. No, I think it was a delivery that he had a delivery to do. Because he's not supposed to be touching other people's things right now. There's a pandemic on. Can't say I've noticed. Uh. She asks him to call streetcars to see if Tim answers, and then she knows the coast is going to be clear. He does so, but his number is linked to his name, so Tim is just about intelligent enough to work out that it's Ryan Colin putting on a fake Scottish or Irish accent or something. Irish accent, I think it was. was. So Ali goes round to see Sally. They chat about Tim being in denial about Tim's mum. Alia thinks that they should call the police. Even better, says Sally. Let's go down there. Yes. And it's DS Straightfringe who seems to be picking up the case about Tim's mum's disappearance. Her lockdown haircut doesn't seem to have changed any. No. Straightfringe isn't convinced. There's no proof that Tim's mum is really Tim's mum. Sally thinks it should be easy to prove and then reports that Jenny saw Tim's dad arguing with Tim's mum and insists that this is worth investigation, especially after Tim's mum was prepared to stand up in court <laughs> against him. Which seems to surprise Fred Armisen in, in address. I don't... I, you'd think that she would know that, that this was a development and it doesn't seem like she knows this is a development. Right. And she continues to be kind of hostile to this side of the case. Right. While kind of sucking the ass off the other side of the case. Ugh. I don't even want to picture that. <laughs> I'm sorry for my very vivid language. You should be. Later, Faye is at the speed dial of a Tim's dad and asks about that woman she caught him arguing with. Reluctantly, he says it was just some stupid bint who coughed on him and he gave her what for. He snapped. She snapped back. Faye thinks he had every right. Then Diaz Straightfringe arrives, looking for a word. Oh, what's up now, he asks. So right, she- so he's like really hostile towards her, which makes it weird. She asks about Tim's mum, and he denies meeting any of his former wives, not unless there's been a zombie apocalypse. Ha ha, ha ha ha. Not yet, Tim's dad. He paints Ali and Sally in a very bad light. Tim's mum died in Spain in the 70s. So who was the woman then? Tim's dad says he has no idea, but he thinks it's particularly cruel given how mentally slow his son is. Lots of people talking about how dim Tim is this week. He thinks this is Yasmin's doing or Tim's mum's a wacko. Faye comes down the stairs and for whatever reason, Straight Fringe continues with the interview without acknowledging her. As far as you're concerned, you didn't argue with anyone yesterday, let alone Tim's mum, who is dead, but that Tim's mum had already approached Tim, telling him she was Tim's mum, and she intended to stand as a witness, is that right? And Tim's dad confirms this is all true, which is very helpful for Faye, who missed the first part of the conversation. Right, yes. Straight Fringe leaves as Tim's dad turns round and sees Faye. What was that all about, she asks. Ask your stepmother, or better yet, don't. And then he eyes Faye, kind of suspiciously. At home... Tim is going a bit mental at Sally. Why go to the police? Why not just ask Tim's dad? Since when did that get anyone anywhere? Then Faye asks what Tim's dad said to the police, and when Tim fills her in, she confirms that's not what she saw, and she tells them about what Tim's dad claimed to be a social distancing faux pas. Mm -hmm. Faye leaves as Tim's dad comes in. Happy now, he asks Sally. He's had an embarrassing afternoon. And Sally wants to know what's happened to Tim's mum. She accuses him of lying to the police, lying to his granddaughter, and lying to Tim since fuck knows when. Isn't it time for the truth? Tim's dad thinks this is ridiculous, and with a smile, he looks at Tim, pointing to Sally as if to say, what'd you make of this nutbag? But Tim isn't smiling anymore, and Tim's dad's smile fades. Yes, it does. It fades like Faye, in the background, at Speedle. She doesn't acknowledge her because neither one of them see her. 
because she comes down the stairs and they're facing the other way. And it's dark because it's not open except for takeaway. Uh, I don't know. And her shirt says, Je t'aime. Three times. Yes. On Friday, Tim thinks that Sally has a point. And Sally pipes up that Tim's dad said there was no woman to the police, but Faye saw the two of them arguing. He tells the old coughing Krona over my excuse, but Sally isn't falling for it. Bollocks, she says. He says everyone knows she was lying and Ali and Yasmin are behind it. What the fuck does she have to gain from pretending to be Tim's mum? Asks a bewildered Sally. Right, and if she's willing to stand up in court and testify, and that would be illegal if she's not who she says she is, why would she risk a prison sentence. To cause a rift, says Tim's dad. Enough of this shite, says Tim. Meanwhile at home, Alia gets notification that Yasmin is going to need a bypass. Uh-oh. That's serious, isn't it, she asks. Ryan, yes. Ryan thinks yes, but knows someone who got through it, and they know what they're doing. Alia thinks about calling Craig to see if he knows anything about Tim's mum, so that's what she does. Craig says there's nothing to prove there's a connection, but give me a couple of days. And Craig is looking fantastic. Didn't you think? He's he looks thinner, but he always looks fantastic. He's he, a, he's he looks like a proper policeman now. Are you saying that fat people can't be police? I didn't think. I think he looks a bit older. He looks a bit more mature. I think that I want to say puppy fat, but that's not really a that's not really a, a, a friendly phrase. A phrase that's not really what I mean. But it kind of looked a bit youthful with the. Uh, kind of chubbier cheeks. I think it looks like a policeman now, mm. rather than a schoolboy pretending to be one. Hmm. I don't know. I'm 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 uncomfortable praising people just for losing weight. It makes it seem like being fat is a bad thing, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Well, that's something that he wanted to do something about. Then congratulations on doing something about it. If yeah. you don't want to do anything about it, then that's fine. Yeah. So. Back at Sally's, Tim's dad insists that a stranger turns up telling lies and he's supposed to do nothing. Exactly, says Sally. What have you done? <laughs> she chucks him out and tells Tim that he needs to fucking wake up. If, if she was just a random, why would, we, why would he do anything? Why listen to Tim's dad and not her? Don't make me choose, says Tim. And Tim's dad turns up for his shift at speed dial, but Alia, armed with a broom, refuses to let him in. Yes. Give me an excuse, she says, brandishing we broom, the broom. We brooms are tough. Right. Yeah, don't right. don't mess with a broom. We stick together. Yes, we do. Like the bristles at the end of a broom or something. <laughs> Alia continues to wind Tim's dad up about Tim's mum. What did he do? He silenced her. She calls him a small, vile man. Keep, oh, that was great. Keep You're going. a small man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really good. I love that. Keep going, says Tim's dad, and you'll find out what kind of man I am, just like Tim's mum did. Tim happens along and Alia gets stuck into him. How can he keep backing up Tim's dad? He's admitted to getting rid of her. Tim drags Tim's dad away, leaving Alia more convinced than ever that Tim's dad is behind the disappearance of Tim's mum. Edit it. I was, I was hoping, and this didn't happen, I was hoping that like she had her phone in her back pocket and was recording that whole conversation because he more or less admits that he has done something to Tim's mum in that conversation. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate that the only person that got to hear that was Alia. Yeah, nobody records anything. Mm. Somebody, didn't 
didn't somebody record something in a storyline before and it was kind of a gotcha moment? I'm sure it has happened, but it doesn't happen nearly as often as it should. No. Because I think if it happened as often as it should, it would be happening all the time. Right. And people would get bored of it. Yeah. Because people are recording every conversation that they're ever having. Right. Plus, it would have been really awkward because she didn't know that he was going to come up and try to get in and stuff. So she didn't know she was going to have a confrontation. So True. she would have had to said, wait a second. Hold on. Let me just push a button on my phone before you say anything. And then put my phone back in my pocket. But I'll keep the little microphone bit sticking out the top of my shirt. Just a wee bit. At home, Tim's dad is talking about suing Alia for slander. He's grateful for Tim's support. Tim's dad turns his attention to Sally and starts getting laid in. But Tim reminds Tim's dad that Sally is his wife and is entitled to her opinion. And that makes a good point and Tim's dad kind of shuts up. Why would Tim's mum lie about being Tim's mum? It makes no sense. Right. And he's got a good point there. He's got a very good point. It's like, sure, this woman could come show up and be paid off to say that Tim's dad has done all of these horrible things to her like they've done, like he's done to Yasmin. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. But why would she also say that she's Tim's mom? That doesn't make sense. Right. Tim's dad says Tim's mum is trying to push a wedge between them to make Tim doubt Tim's dad. Tim's dad asks if, he, if Tim doubts him. And rather than answer, Tim says it's a bit disorientating when someone comes along saying stuff that changes everything about their being. Tim's dad shows him a photo from his wallet. It's Tim and Tess. A, hold of, a holiday photo from the seaside. Not that we could afford it, Tim's dad says pointlessly. Right. Tim's dad says that Tim knows that Tess was his mum. He admits that they rowed, but she loved Tim. And she would be turning in her grave right now. Tim wonders why she... Why Which is a complete turnaround from everything Tim's dad has said about Tess up till now. I am so confused. I have no idea what Tim thinks anymore. I don't think Tim knows what Tim thinks anymore. Is this deliberate? Because it, it kind of feels just messy. It does feel messy. But, you know, he's Tim's dad is saying whatever he can to try and keep Tim on side. And if it means contradicting... You know, everything he said about Tess being horrible to him. Well, I guess it kind of makes sense. And it could happen that Tess was horrible to Tim's dad, but that she loved Tim, that she took good care of Tim, that she was nice to Tim. Why does Tim really have very few memories of any of this stuff at all? Is he really that dim? I think this old. This has got to be really disorientating to him. What I thought he knew was that his mum was dead. This Tess wasn't his mum, but became his mum by bringing him up. But she is also dead. No, he thought that Tess was his mum. But I don't think that's what Tim's dad said last week. That's what he's saying this week. He's saying that this woman is nothing to you. No, no. This Tim's mum is is nothing to Tim. That's what Tim's dad's saying now. This is just some random woman pretending to be involved in this situation somehow, but she's not your mum. Tess is your mum. That's what he's saying now. But that wasn't what he was saying last week. (sighs) That's not what he said last week to somebody else. To somebody else, he said. No, he said... Philippa was his first wife, but she wasn't Tim's mum. Philippa was his first wife, who he divorced, 
And then he got together with Tess, and Tess was Tim's mom. It's all very confusing, and I think that's kind of the point. The point is to keep everything a little bit off balance. But we had this argument last week that you thought that... Um, that Tess was... Right. In effect, but not biologically Tim's mum. Right. But what was said today was she'd be turning, or yesterday, she'd be turning in, in her grave if you thought, if she knew that you thought that you didn't share blood. As I think what he said, wasn't it? I don't know. I can't remember what I he said. I don't care what that man says. Well, it's kind of It's important. all lies. Lies. It's all lies. <laughs> lies. And I can't remember what story he's told who, and I know that Tim kind of had an argument with Sally about it last week where and it I sounded think, like... And I think this is kind of the point too, that it, Tim's dad is getting to the point where he doesn't know which lie he's told people. So it's going to catch him up. Does Tim know that Tim's dad was married to someone called Philippa? Yes. But, but he, that's not his mum. But he doesn't believe that ta- that, that was his mum. But believes that now Philippa and Tess are now both dead. Yes. Okay. Well, the, yeah. So Tim wonders why he doesn't say this out in the open and would prefer to lie about it. Tim's dad says he wants some credit for thinking about other people. He was protecting what? Tim. That doesn't make any sense. Yes, he confronted Tim's mum and told her to leave them alone. Tim says he's on Tim's dad's side, but he honest, but he needs honesty from him from now on. Tim's dad promises on his life that he will be, which isn't portentous at all. No, that means he's going to drop dead next week. Not to be a natural cause, that would be so disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, uh, he caught the COVID and died. Yeah, He lied. He caught the COVID and died. Later, Sally checks on Tim at the cab office. He's been brooding all day and he explains about the running with Tim's dad uh, the running that Tim's dad had with Alia. He asks him she asks him to take his head out of the sand. Tim's dad's story has more holes than a crocheted bedspread. Tim says the police have questioned him and that's the end of it. Sally doesn't think they have the whole story, but Tim isn't interested in talking about it anymore. It is so frustrating when characters say things like this. Like they think that when somebody is questioned, they're automatically arrested right then and there that's not what typically happens they're questioned then the police go back and they they fact check the questioning do you think that's what's happening in this case i think it might be because fred Armisen in a dress seemed like she didn't really believe i wish i knew who that was (laughs) (sighs) you'll have to do it now you know who he is. If you saw him, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that cunt. But anyway. <laughs> I think that was the most needless use of that word ever on the show. That's the way you talk about people. I, I, I do. You're right. Anyway. Because, like, some of her questions about, okay, well, do you know when she died of breast cancer? You know, where was she when she died of breast cancer and everything? It seems like they're going to be fact-checking what happened to Philippa and trying to track her down and confirm that she is dead. Which they're not going to be able to do. Right, because she's not dead. Or is or she? She? <laughs> she better bloody not be. I don't think she is. I think the show is trying to make us believe that Tim's dad has killed her. 
by by showing her phone and taking the SIM card out and plopping it in the sewer. Which doesn't he really help? They can still track that SIM card. Can they? Yeah, because they haven't destroyed it. It's not getting any power from anything, though. I don't think that matters. I think it still pings. Oh, it needs some kind of charge, wouldn't it? I don't know. I mean, trackers that they put like on animals and stuff don't necessarily always need to be charged with a battery, do they? Yeah, I think they all have batteries. Do they? Yeah, very mm-hmm. long-life batteries. Otherwise, there wouldn't be much of a point. So, anyway. Uh, Sally leaves saying that uh, she wants to find Tim's mum to clear all this up. And then Tim sees the envelope that Tim's mum left with her number and her, and her address on it. Looks like she lives in Bolton. And throws it in the bin. Michael Bolton? Correct. And that, inexplicably, on that bombshell, that is how we end this week's episodes. That was another good week. Yeah. Tim's going to track down his mum. And she's going to be there and she's going to say that she ran away and, and went back home because she was terrified. And Tim's dad stole her phone. I'm hoping. Right. Just stole the phone so that she couldn't get in touch with anybody. Right. Although she could easily just go and get another phone, I guess. But I thought it was uh, notable that Tim didn't tear up the envelope. Just kind of scrunched it in a ball and threw it in the... Yeah. So it's, kinda... it's easily retrieved, in other yeah. words. He's going he's gonna to get it out. I mean, there's a reason why he found that envelope. Yeah. Yeah, and again, the camera kind of lingered on it a little bit just to yeah, make sure did. you notice it. Yeah, it did. Uh, so Yasmin needing a bypass is... Keeping her out of the show. Quite handily keeping her out of the show. Yeah. That's uh, it's nicely done, though. Yes. Yes. So she'll have a recovery time over that as well and right. all that fun stuff. Kind of concerned with the, uh, the situation that's going on in the north of England where towns and council areas getting locked down again of which Manchester is probably a part. Right, this is why there's speculation that they'd be quarantining everybody in a hotel. Right. To continue filming. But that's not going to be happening. Well, that's what that's what showrunners are saying now, but God, who knows what's going to happen in two weeks? Who's going to, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Every day we wake up and there's a new report of murder ant or cannibal ants or or murder hornets or dinosaur bacteria that scientists are trying to wake up why why are you doing that why would you do this in the year 2020 (laughs) why god no we got told that the office won't begin open back up again until at least january january 4th i think Mm -hmm. and even then people are going to be going in staggered Right. We're going to get a month's notice before we have to go back so we right. can make arrangements for whatever. Right. And like I said, the schools are going to be the schools are going to be uh remote until the end of the first trimester, so that's up to Christmas. Yeah. It's going to happen at Christmas. Honest to god, I don't fucking know. Cuz I don't want to go to Connecticut. No. And I would and that's going to piss off so many people that we don't want to travel. But it is what it is. Yeah. And who knows what it's going to be worse. My poor dad trapped in Florida. Oh, the wrong place that you don't want to be right now. It's Florida. Yeah. Uh, One of my co-workers Florida is, or in, Georgia. is in Key West. I think for a family emergency. Mm-hmm. Right enough, she's 
Well, a fancy hotel. Right. Thank you, Bastis. Not too bad. It's far enough away, I think, from... The mainland. Right. Yeah, it's a good bit out into the the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. By the time it finish, finishes curling around and stuff. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. is a bridge. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But, yeah. Who knows? God, who knows? <laughs> literally anything could happen right now. Seriously. And... It, you know, like uh, my dad texted the other day saying that he heard that we were going to get hit by an asteroid. And <laughs> I was kind of like, well, sure. Fingers why not? crossed. Fingers crossed. That would solve a lot of problems. <laughs> Very quickly. As long as it's quick. We've got. <laughs> we've got Sorry our... to bring the room down, folks. <laughs> a little bit of the work that was doing. Uh, last week was on a business business continuity management survey that we're putting out to try and measure how stressed people are or how stressed people feel in their lives. And it was all, are you stressed about money or you're worried about losing your job? And are you worried about uh, getting childcare or are you worried about uh, your benefits? Or And I'm like, I think a lot of people are worried that this is the end of the world. <laughs> so they ended up putting that. I've never seen that money in my life. I don't know who that cunt is. <laughs> <laughs> I've just shown Gav multiple pictures of Fred Armisen. You have seen shows and movies that he's been in. I'm sure I have, but I couldn't have told you his name. <sighs> What's your moment of the week? <laughs> the end of the world. No. <laughs> um, I think it's a tough one this week. <sighs> I'm. I have a toss-up between... Gemma and Abby's no. long distance cuddle, or nope. or Alia telling Tim's dad that he's a small man. Yeah, I think uh, the the siege of Speed Doll. Yeah, by Alia over the brim. You're a small man because because like all of the other stuff that she has said and done to him, it just winds him up further and makes him want to fight with her more and he kind of gets a kick out of it mm-hmm. but when she just stops and and says you're a small man that it stops him in his tracks and all of a sudden he gets deadly serious even just the small man but yeah provoked that's it. a reaction but without even thinking about the vileness of it right D- to be and for her to just finally say you're a small man you know Instead of treating him in the way that he has wanted to be treated, like he's some tough guy who's who's big and scary and, and scaring all the women folk. Mm-hmm. When she when she proves she's not scared of him and she can see right through him, yeah, that's moment of the week right there. Yep, that's a moment of the week. Moment of the week. And your boring moment of the week. Shouting at Kathy. Shouting at Kathy. Shouting at Kathy. I put my money right here on the counter, Kathy. I know I'll you're not there. You I know you're not there. Cheerio. Bye. You got the time when you cook? <laughs> oh, do you know what? I don't care. Sure, that's... Boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Shall we wrap this yes, one up? please. I haven't done an outro again. Buy our merch. <laughs> if you want to buy our merch, you can buy our merch. And here's how you can buy our merch. At merch. Merch, merch. Merch, merch. <laughs> buy it. 
Buy it now. The quality looks reasonable. <laughs> I'm going to order one of them. Mm-hmm. I'm just really glad you didn't go with Cafe Press because I'd used Cafe Press. Granted, this was like over 10 years ago and the quality wasn't wasn't great. But I'd used them for mugs before and their mugs were always okay. I, I don't think I've ever got a t-shirt from them. But we'll see what this Teespring is like. It looks fine. I'm surprised you didn't go with Redbubble. I don't think I checked that out. Anyway. If, that's what uh, Greg from Greg's Art uses. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're we'll, already we'll, we'll committed keep, to we'll keep, we'll keep this one going for, for now. Yeah. And, I'll, and they do masks too, but they do. have hasn't set up masks yet. No. We've got... T-shirts. Uh, Timbuk4000 says this does not compute. Yes. But not like that. Uh, what was the other one? Um, uh, I murdered I Rick killed, the Chin. I killed Rick the Chin. And... Uh, Irish Tina that has a Welsh flag on it. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to go flying off the shelves. <laughs> they're 25 bucks, which I, that's think, reasonable. I think that's actually quite that's, expensive. For that's a very reasonable. Anyway, that's very reasonable. I'm going to be getting one. I don't know which. You obviously don't buy your own t-shirts. <laughs> I, what? Oh. I, I do. I think 20 bucks is... Probably enough. Twenty five is going a little far. Yeah. Not which. You are also I, Scottish. Uh, yeah, and I should be encouraging. So them. you're tight. Anyway, <laughs> we're the talk this at gmail dot com on email, which is also how you can leave us a voicemail on Skype or drop a couple of nuggets into our PayPal virtual tip jar. We're at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Please consider leaving a rating and a review on the iTunes. Please. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode, and we will be back next week. Hopefully. Asteroids notwithstanding, with more. I'll talk on the street. Bye. Cheerio.